Welcome to the Strand Baptist Church podcast. New episodes will be made available every weekday for the full duration of the lockdown here in South Africa. For more information, please visit our website at www.strandbaptist.org.za. Thank you for joining us and welcome. So today we look at the third century, the third century. And the question before the third century church was this. How should we, we as the church, respond to persecution and false teaching? This was the great question which they had to deal with. And it is in this century that theologians became known as Christian apologists. The word apologist or apology relates to 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15, where Peter says that we must be ready to give a reason... The Greek word for reason there is apologia, for the hope of the gospel that is in us. And from the second century we have apologists such as Justin Martyr, who defended the truth of the Christian gospel in his expounding of the scripture, refuting false accusations regarding the faith. And here we also have the church responding to false teaching by the exposition and true teaching of the Bible. Now, within this century, there are two noteworthy figures, two massive names within Christian history, which help us to understand how it is Christ continued to build his church. And even as I say that, I acknowledge, and we all must acknowledge, that here even the best of Christ's servants stumble and fall. The first of these great figures was a man named Oregon, one of the leading thinkers and apologists of the third century. Oregon exercised his ministry in the great Egyptian city of Alexandria. At age 18, he began to teach in the Theological Academy of Alexandria. Through his various writings, he made important contributions to the understanding of Scripture. And yet, as I mentioned before, even the best of Christ's servants stumble and fall and are beset with weakness. And we see here when it comes to Oregon that there does seem to be a hangover of Greek philosophical dualism, that which we spoke about yesterday, where he tended to posit this dichotomy between the heavenly things, the spiritual things being good, and the earthly material things being inherently bad. He also believed that there were many layers of meaning in the biblical text, and sometimes to the neglect of a plain reading of the text. His method of interpretation would have a profound effect on the way in which Christians would read and understand the Bible. A second individual who had, enormous, who had an enormous influence on the church in the 3rd century was a North African man named Tertullian. He was born into a pagan family and later converted to Christianity. In his ministry, Tertullian wrestled with two important things. The first was the false teaching called modalism. It was an error concerning the persons of the Trinity. Modalists teach that there is one God who has appeared in three different ways or, or modes as Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. So, what they would say is that in the Old Testament, God revealed himself as Father, Say, put on the mask of Father. In the New Testament of the first century, God put on the mask of Son. 
and now in the post-Christ age, God has put on the mask of the Holy Spirit. And in this way, they confound and confuse the persons of the Godhead by denying any real distinction between them. And this teaching rejects everything scripture has to say about the communion that God enjoys within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's also interesting to note that Italian was, at least as far as we know, the first person in church history to use the word Trinity. Tertullian's second problem was the growing moral indifference of professing Christians. Even though people were still being martyred for their faith, Tertullian looked around and he saw that not many consecrated their lives fully to Jesus Christ, that that full devotion to Jesus was beginning to wane. Eventually, he joined a charismatic sect outside the church known as the Montanists. He felt that he found here in the Montanists what he had been looking for in the church at large. Now, although he was a zealous defender of the faith, Tertullian tended to divide the word of God from the spirit of God, and the spirit from the word. He, he did not grasp that principle so evident in the way Jesus himself lived his life in obedience to God in the Spirit's power, that to do so, a believer must constantly submit to the teaching God has given in Scripture. And so a, vo a very important lesson arises from the third century. We should never, to quote Joel Beakey, separate the Spirit of God from the Word of God or the word of God from our dependence on the Spirit of God. If men of ability and dedication, such as Oregon and Tertullian, found it a tremendous challenge to grasp and apply this principle, we must take great care to study and apply the Scripture under the Holy Spirit's guidance and illumination. So there it is. That's the lesson for us today. If we can glean anything from the 3rd century, it is this. We must not separate God's Holy Spirit from God's Holy Word. I hope that this was informative and also encouraging. God bless. Mm -hmm.